Well, it sends fear through the hearts of pastors and teachers and people that have to get up and speak and make the request. It causes fights and wars and divorces and relationships to break up and crime and it's money. And I got a big pile here today. But money is something that's kind of scary to talk about, especially when you're in my position. You think, well, he must be wanting to get the offering up. Maybe the offerings are down. He's wanting to try to get it, get it up a little bit. So he's going to do a talk on money, make us all feel guilty, and everything's going to, going to work out. That's not why I'm talking about money. And that's one of the fears is that I'm misunderstood or any speaker is misunderstood when we're trying to talk to people about money. In the hands of the right person, this can change the world. In the hands of the right person, this can feed people that don't have food to eat. In the hands of the right person, this can dig a well for a town half a world away so they have water. In the hands of the right person, this can help people get medical treatment so they can be healed, so they can get better. In the hands of the right person, this can help a church fulfill its God-given mission to the world. In the hands of the wrong person, this can cause wars and fights and greed and anger. It can break up marriages and end friendships and even end somebody's life. This stuff has a lot of power. We're in the third week of a series called Itudes, meaning our inner attitudes, the way we think about things, the way we process things, the way we act, the way we feel, just our attitude inside. And last week we talked about our attitude toward serving. This week I want to talk to you about our attitudes toward money, toward giving. Well, the Bible has a lot to say about money and how we treat it and how we allow it to treat us. There's some people coming down the aisles right now with Bibles. We do this every week at LifePoint. If you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. Somebody will give you one. It's yours to keep. If you forgot yours, raise your hand. You can follow along in there or follow along in the screen when I put, put the Scriptures up there. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, our whole series called Itudes is based on this one verse. And it says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Meaning that we need to look and see what Jesus thinks about things and then try to align ourselves and think the same way. Jesus had a lot to say about money. In fact, he said more about money than he even said about prayer. He said more about money than almost any other thing he talked about. He talked about money and possessions, how to manage it, how to spend it, how to save it, how to give it. And if people in the first century were dealing with money... When they didn't have very much, what do you think about today? You think Jesus' words from the first century can echo through time and tell us something about how we should treat money? Jesus knew that this stuff can get a hold on us and direct the very course of our lives. He talked about money because... There's a connection between our spiritual life and our money. 
There's a connection between our relationship with God and the way we think, feel, and act about money. Money can do great things. Money can do horrible things. But there's no doubt that money is a spiritual issue. If you're here for the first time today, or if you're not a follower of Christ, you might be thinking, great, show up at church, first time forever, pastor's talking about money, holding a big stack of money, I know what he's going to do in a few minutes, and reaching for your wallet, maybe you're thinking, well, their offerings must be down, so they're asking for money, well, that's not what today is about. Of course, if that happens, I mean, I'm okay with it. Don't get me wrong. But I want to talk about our attitude about money and what Christ's attitude about money must have been. You can turn on the TV and see televangelists saying, if you send me money, if you send me some of these, I'll send you a cloth or I'll send you a vial of of." of water or something that's going to make a difference in your life and bring a miracle. If you just send me some money, turn them off. Don't listen to them. God's not concerned as much about your money as he's concerned about having a relationship with you. You knowing him, him knowing you. But a lot of times people allow this to get in the way. Allow this to get in the way of our growth with each other. Of our, of our growth with God. And we just continually let it rule who we are and what we do. Money is merely something for us to use. Not something that should rule over us. Hey, you! Yeah, you! Come over here a second. I need to talk to you. Hey, how's it going? Listen, I've been needing to talk to you. I need to let you in on a little secret. I might not be around much longer. Now, now, don't get yourself all excited. All I'm saying is, our relationship, well, it's starting to suffocate me. You're holding on to me just a little bit too tightly. I need some space. I'm a free bird, a free spirit. I got things to do, people to see, places to go. I'm a world traveler. I want to do something with my life, make a difference. Hey, you give me too much credit. I'm just not trustworthy. I'm a fair weather friend. Here today, gone tomorrow. That's just how I roll. Uh, excuse me? You're not ready to let me go. Hey, you don't own me. My owner's a lot bigger than you are, that's for sure. And he's just loaning me to you. And he's trusting you to do the right thing with me. But before you can do that, you got to stop putting your trust in old Bill here and start putting your trust in him. Don't you remember what it says on my back? Does it say in cash we trust? No. It says in God we trust. Even I know that, and I'm just a piece of paper. Hey, if you say you have faith in God, you got to put your money where your mouth is. Okay, don't take that literally. Very unsanitary. Look, bottom line, you're worrying about me too much. I'll be okay. You put your trust in God, and I will bet you, myself, he will never let you down. Capiche? Okay. 
Are we done here? Great. Are we clear? Are we clear on this now? Great. Fantastic. All right. Scurry along now. I'll talk to you later. Go on. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. God is interested in what we do with our money. He's interested in how we save it, give it, use it, spend it, invest it. He's interested. Jesus had some things to say about money, and Jesus had a certain attitude about money. I want to share some of those things with you this morning. The first one is, Jesus' attitude towards money was, use it, don't let it use you. You know, personally, as I've become quite experienced at spending money, I found no other use for it than using it, right? What's it good for? It's there to use. Jesus preached a sermon in the book of Matthew, chapters 5, 6, and 7. And it came to be known as the Sermon on the Mount. And in that sermon, he is laying out kind of the basis for Christianity. And he's letting people know that Christianity is a religion of the heart. It was counter to the culture of his day because they were all concerned with externals, what it looked like on the outside, what rules you did and didn't follow. And Jesus comes along and says, I'm concerned about your heart. I'm concerned about what's on the inside. When it comes to money in that sermon, Jesus said, don't store up treasures on earth. The reason he doesn't want us to do that is because we're not here very long. Whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God, you know this life has a beginning and an end. And we know that whatever comes after this one is longer than this one was. So Jesus is trying to get people to think outside of the few years or decades that we exist on this earth. And he's saying, don't store up treasures here because, he goes on to say, things wear out on this earth. Things get destroyed. How many of you have a house that's going to last forever? Or, the, or a car that's going to last forever? Everything we own is going to wear out. In fact, just look around our bodies. You know, look at the people sitting around you. Our bodies are going to wear out. We can fix them up and patch them up and exercise and get more years out of life. And that's great. Do everything you can to stay healthy. But in the end, it's going to wear out. <laughs> Don't you feel better now? <laughs> Didn't you get encouraged in church today? Pastor told me I'm dying. You know, doesn't matter what's going on, I'm going to die. But it's true. And Jesus was constantly trying to get people to think about there's more than just what you see around you. So when you're storing up things, store up treasure for later, for after this life. Don't just run after the treasures in this life. And don't let money become your master. Because Jesus said you can't serve him and serve money. No man can serve God and money. And the word for money at that part in the Bible really means just stuff. No man can serve God and his stuff. You're either going to hate one, love the other, or love one, hate the other. None of our stuff gets to go with us when we go. I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. You know, hearse is like a, you know, one hearse. That's it. Nothing behind it because we're not taking anything with us. And Jesus is trying to get us to understand 
This life has a beginning and this life has an end. And don't let the time that you are here be ruled by something like money. It doesn't matter how much you have. Some of us have got a lot. Some of us have got a little. You can still be ruled by money no matter how much you have or you don't have. And Jesus said, use it. Don't let it use you. Another attitude Jesus had is that it's not about the amount you give, but it's the source from which you give. Jesus was at the synagogue one day with his disciples. People were walking by and putting their money in the treasury. They were putting their gifts in there and the rich people were coming by putting loads and loads of money. And then this lady comes by, this widow, and she puts in two copper coins. And all these people were giving out of their wealth and she came and gave Two copper coins. Not even worth one penny, but here's two pennies and that's, you can't even buy a piece of gum anymore. So they're not worth anything. And Jesus says to his disciples at this point, in Luke chapter 21 verse 4, all these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty and put in all she had to live on. For several years in a row, I got this opportunity to take college students on a mission trip. And we would have to raise the money to go to this um, children's home on, an in, on the Indian Reservation in Arizona. It's called Navajo Children's Home. And we would take 25 to 40 college students every year. And it took a lot of money to do that, like $25,000, $30,000 to make that trip happen. And it happened totally through fundraising and gifts. And there were people that wrote checks for $5,000 and $3,000 and, and hundreds of dollars. There was this one lady came up to me at church one day and she said, I want to start giving to help your college students go on their mission trip. And I said, great, I appreciate that. And she, you could tell she was the age where she probably retired. And she said, well, I'm not going to have the money till the, the end of the month. So the end of the month came and she comes to give me a check and she gave me a check for $25. And I remember thinking, you know, this gift is probably the largest sacrifice of any of the gifts that we've got. And every month for 10 months, this sweet lady wrote a check for $25. Not a lot of money, but a big gift. Because she was giving from her heart, just like the lady at the synagogue that day. She was giving from her heart all she could give. And God wants our giving to come from our heart. That's what's most important. And almost every week when somebody talks about the offering at LifePoint, we say it's not the amount you give. It matters that you give from the heart. And that's what God is concerned about. And Jesus is over and over trying to get us to understand, if you're going to follow me, you've got to follow me with all of your heart. If, if giving were about the amount, then the people with the most money would be the ones most pleasing to God, right? If giving were all about the amount, then only the ones with the ability to give a large amount would be the ones that please God. Giving is about sacrifice. For some of you, a sacrifice is a big bunch of money. Amount. 
For some of you, it's a small amount of money. And God says to all of us, give sacrificially. We're all at different levels of income. Some of us make a big old big bunch of money. Some of us make medium-sized money, and some of us make very, very little money. But where we're all on the same playing field is when God says, give from your heart. And you can do that no matter how little or how much you make. Today is not an effort, is not an effort just to get the offering up. That's not why I chose to speak about money today. But because our money and our spiritual lives are connected, it's an indicator of growth, just like serving is. We talked about serving last week, and that's an indicator of how somebody's doing spiritually if they want to serve or not, or if they just want to be consumers and not givers. And it's the same thing with money. It's a spiritual issue. One of the core values of our church is that we want to reach in and we want to come alongside of you in your journey wherever you are and help you take that further, help you grow. And you can't do that without making some sacrifices with your time, with your effort, and with your money. Giving can equal growth. God asks us for a tithe. He asks us to give him 10% of everything we make. That's what God asks. He says, for every 10 of these, I would like for you to give me one. You keep nine, give me one. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, is that 10% before taxes or after taxes? Is that gross or is that net? What's he talking about? Give me something to work with here. We're talking 10%. 10% of what? God just says, give me your first fruits. Give me a tenth of all that you have. And that leaves 90% for us to save, for us to enjoy, and for us to continue to bless other people with it. Now, I realize that that some of you probably have debt issues. Some of you probably have income issues to where you think 10%. Oh, my gosh. You know, where, where am I going to get that? Start with one. Start out, but work towards saying, God, I'm going to honor your request for me to bring you 10% of everything I get. You may not be able to do that today or even next week. But put in your mind that you're going to work towards it. Start out with 1%, 3%, 8%, whatever. Here's the problem some of us have with money. We get some of it, no matter how much or how little. And in the words of the first words of my eight year old daughter, <laughs> that's what we end up saying about our money. <laughs> mine. This is mine. I worked for it. The check's got my name on it. God's name's nowhere on that. This is my money. Right? It's it's mine. And I'm going to spend it how I want to spend it. I've got a brain and I've worked for it. And it's, this is mine. Um, I know you might be wondering, what's he giving away today? <laughs> you know, but gave the iPod already. First service. Sorry. That's why it was more crowded. <laughs> I'm seeing a pattern. Following that away. It's not mine. It's God's. 
Like that dollar bill we just heard with an attitude in the video. We don't own this. God owns this. We're just here to manage it for Him. How are you doing at managing what God has given you? See, it's oftentimes we think people with a lot of money know how to manage money. People with a lot of money are the ones we always talk about when we're talking about giving and, and, and we're talking about generosity. But what about the rest of us? I don't know how many multimillionaires we got sitting in the audience, but, but God says, I'm giving you money to manage. And it's just as important if you have a few thousand and if you have multiple millions. God says, manage the money I'm giving you. It's up to all of us. There's some things I think we need to consider when we're asked to give or compelled to give or thinking about giving. First thing is, everything belongs to God. Everything. One of my earliest memories, I was about five years old and it was Christmas Eve. And I looked around and noticed all of a sudden, I didn't have any gifts from my parents. You know, what's a five-year-old do on Christmas Eve when you don't have any gifts? So I started looking around the house. You know, <laughs> what do we got around here that I could give my mom and dad? So while they're not paying attention, I go and I look for stuff. And my, my mom got a real nice uh, Instamatic, one of those photo Instamatic cameras. My dad, for that, that year for Christmas, I put under the tree for him a radio from my room that looked like a police siren, a big blue radio. And some other things I found laying around the house. Because what's a five-year-old going to do? Psalm 50, verses 9 through 12 says this. I have no need for a bull from your stall or goats from your pens. For every animal of the forest is mine. And the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains and every creature of the field, they are mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. For the world is mine and all that is in it. It's all His. God doesn't need our money, but how he loves it when we say, God, thank you for the blessing. Thank you for the money. Here's some back. My parents say that's one of the most memorable Christmases they ever had, the year I gave them things that they already owned. (laughs) And I think that's the way God is too. The days we give him things that he already owns. Because when we give him something that we recognize that's already his, it's truly a gift. Because we have the choice. You can hold on to it and hoard it up and keep it all for yourself. You don't have to give any of it away. But how God is pleased when somebody that follows him says, God, I'm not going to keep this all for me. I'm going to bring part of it the part you ask for, back to you. Another thing we need to consider when we're giving is God wants the first part. He wants the first part right off the top. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now you may not have Uh, fruits and crops and barns and vats and wine. But what God is saying is, give me the best. Give me what's right off the top. That's what I'm asking for. And if you do it, you're going to be blessed because of it. 
If you give God the first, the first amount, every time, all the time, God says, I'm going to fill you up. You are going to be blessed beyond what you can even imagine if you just give back to me. Another thing to remember when we think about giving is that our money always goes where our heart is. If you are crazy in love with golf, you probably spend a lot of money at it. Things in your life that you're just crazy about that you can't do without, just look at your checkbook and see where the money goes and you can very quickly determine where your heart is. Jesus said, Matthew 6, verse 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, the persons of the year in 2005 were Bill Gates and his wife and Bono. Because they're learning out of their wealth, out of their great abundance, what a blessing it is to give things away. To give part of their money away, to make a difference in the world. To make a difference. And we as a church can make a difference. We want to make a difference. We want to continue to live out our core values of reaching up and reaching in and reaching out and making a difference in the world. And that's not always going to be able to be done inside these walls right here. This is going to be too small. I know it. And if we all begin to say, God, I'm going to give you my first. I'm going to give you my first fruits. I'm going to give you a tenth. When it comes time for me to stand up here and say, we've, guess what? We've got a building, we've got land, and we need this much money. And everybody's given God back a tithe. It won't be that hard to make that jump and make that leap and go out and find exactly what we need. You may choose not to give your money to LifePoint. It's completely your choice. But if you're a follower of God, you need to be giving your money somewhere in some way. You need to be giving a tithe back some way to some place and somehow. If you don't trust us with it, come talk to me. But give somewhere. Give in some way. Another thing when we think about giving is giving makes me less materialistic. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10 says it like this, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. It didn't say whoever has money, whoever makes a lot of money. It said whoever loves money. And there's a big difference. Materialism is misunderstood. We see somebody in this beautiful home, great big car, fast car, whatever, and it's like, well, how materialistic are they? I mean, what make and model car is materialistic? How, how many square feet do you have to get to before you're materialistic? You can't define it like that. Materialism is defined like this. Materialism is living beyond my income. Materialism begins when my income ends. So just because somebody has a lot of money and God's blessed them with a lot of cool toys and a big house and all that stuff, that doesn't mean they're materialistic. You can be materialistic with $30,000 a year or you can be materialistic with $330,000 a year. But giving things away can make us less materialistic. When I was a little boy, 
One time I was in my dad's grocery store and there was a family pushing their grocery cart up to the counter. It was full of groceries. And it didn't take long for me to figure out, even as a young child, that they don't have the money to pay for that. And they looked like they didn't have the money to pay for it. And as the woman sat there trying to count out change and realizing that I'm not going to make it, I saw my dad, who is not very religious and not very wealthy, go over and open up his wallet and put money down on the counter and pay his own cashier what these people owed. And I began to watch, and many, many times I saw my dad do that when people came and had a need. What kind of an example are you being to your children, to your family, when it comes to giving? Do they see you saying, mine, this is mine, got my money? Or do they see you saying, you know what, we're not going to let this rule us. We're not going to let this control us. And we're going to use it to make a difference in the world. We're going to use it to make a difference in our church. And we're going to use it to make a difference in our lives. It'll have an impact. When you begin to see money as something that is there for you to use. No matter how much or how little you have. It's there for you to use. And we have a choice when it comes to money. We can either be a vault and lock it up, hold it up, and not give it to anybody else and not share it and not give. Or we can be a vessel and allow God to use us and our money to make a difference in the world. Money has power. Money is what caused Judas to betray Jesus. Money caused him to betray Jesus, which led to his arrest, which led to his trial, and which led to his crucifixion. All because of money. Another thing to think about as we give is God blesses those who give. And to sound as non-televangelist as I can sound... There is something supernatural about saying, God, I'm going to give this to you. And then God saying, because you have been sacrificial in your giving, we get blessing back. That's true. I don't know what it's going to be. I'm not going to promise you the yacht like the guys on TV do. But there's something coming back to you if you give sacrificially. That is just a fact. God promises it over and over and over in Scripture. In fact, in the book of Malachi, the Israelites had gotten a little stingy. They had stopped giving God their 10%. They had stopped saying, okay, we've got 10, we need to give God one. Here's another 10, we need to give God one. And they had just stopped doing it. And God said, you're robbing me. And they said, how are we robbing you? And God said, you rob me when you don't give me tithes and offerings. You rob me. And here's what God goes on to say to him. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. God is saying, you don't believe me? You don't believe that I'll bless you? Test me. This is the only place in Scripture God says, test me. Watch. 
Just give it a try. Just take a few months of your life and say, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to sacrifice and I'm going to give you 10% like you ask. God promises if we do that, there's going to be blessing. It may not be financial, but it's going to be blessing. It's a promise of God. It's guaranteed. It'll work 100% of the time. Maybe not on our time frame. Maybe not the blessings we want. But it'll work 100% of the time when we say, God, I'm going to give you what's yours. I'm going to give you your tenth. I'm going to bring the tithe. And God says, when you bring it, I'm going to give it. And he blesses our lives. God knows the power that this can have in our lives. That's why Jesus talked about it so much. Because he knows when this gets into our hearts and we don't let it flow through our hands, that it's bad news for us. That He knows how much time we can spend worrying about how to get more of these or worrying about if somebody's going to take too many of ours. And God wants us to know that he expects us to give back to him and to be good managers of the money he's given us. 